And good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Ask the Garden Geek. My name is Michael Gross. I am the chief geek in charge here, have been that way for many, many, many years. Wanted to bring you in on something that we're going to talk about today. It is my talk that I give every year at this time. It's all about pesticides. So I know what you're saying. You're saying, but Michael, what's a pesticide? Doesn't it kill bugs? Nah, yeah, a lot of stuff. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit, can we? Pesticides include a whole group of different things that have side at the end of it. Does that make sense? All right. A pesticide is something that controls a pest. But let's be a little bit more specific. An insecticide controls insects. Hey, makes sense to me, right? An insecticide controls insects. All right, then there's something called herbicides. Herbicides control plants, weeds, grasses, all kinds of things like that. Then there's something even more fun. It's called a fungicide. What do fungicides do, you say? Fungicides control fungal diseases. That's pretty simple. Fungicides control fungus on plants, on turf grass, on ornamentals, on trees, on shrubbery, yeah, all of those things. So you have that. Then there's another one of those side things called rodenticides. Rodenticides control rodents. Yeah, it controls rodents. Very simple. So are there more? Well, let's see, we've got done insecticide, we've done fungicide, we've done rodenticide, we've done herbicide. Um, you know, the, those are the main ones. There's, there's many others. I can find a bunch of others for you. But those are, are the main ones. I hope I'm not leaving anything out. But I don't think, you know, for, for our purposes here on Ask the Garden Geek, those are the main ones that we're going to talk about. Let's go back to insecticides, shall we? Insecticides started in this, well, it started in the world back in the time of uh, when they were building the pyramids because they were using a certain type of pesticide back then called a botanical pesticide, pyrethium. Pyrethium is ground up chrysanthemums. And they were using that to protect the mummies in the tombs to, from bugs that would come in and bother them. And a lot of the botanical insecticides worked for years. And then they were using also minerals as insecticides, sulfur being one. For years, I had a friend, Mr. Holt, who owned a citrus spraying business in Tarpon Springs, Florida. And the only thing he ever used for his whole career was wettable sulfur as an insecticide. It would kill mites. It would kill, you know, all, white fly, all kinds of stuff that would get on citrus. And it worked very well, 100% natural. So that was, you know, we had the botanicals, we have the minerals, and then we get into the chemical pesticides. Okay, by the way, back to minerals, diatomaceous earth would be considered a mineral type of insecticide. Again, totally natural. But now we move into the chemicals. Along right around the 1930s, 1940s, we started, uh, you know, really doing a lot of commercial growing in the United States, and we were getting lots of pests that were 
affecting agriculture. So chemical pesticides were created. Chemical pesticides come in all kinds of flavors. Uh, The original chemical pesticides that we think about were something called chlorinated hydrocarbons. This included the neat thing about chlorinated hydrocarbons is that they lasted a long time. The really bad part about chlorinated hydrocarbons is that they lasted a long time. You see what I'm getting to here. And that included products like chloridane, heptachlor, aldrin, and that one, you know, really famous one, DDT. Those were all chlorinated hydrocarbons. And then as we progressed and we got into the 1950s and 60s, they came out with something called organophosphates. Now, it sounds organic, but it's not. It's a chemical. Organophosphates. They didn't last as long as the chlorinated hydrocarbons, but they were very fast to work, very effective, and they had a residual of anywhere from 30 to 60 to 90 days, depending upon how they were formulated. These included products like Dursban, Diazinon, Orthene, things like that. These were all organophosphate pesticides. The bad part about organophosphate pesticides is that they would affect your cholinesterate level if you were a person. So people who worked with you know the organophosphate insecticides professionally had to routinely have blood work done to make sure their cholinesterate level was correct. <clears throat> then somewhere in the middle of all of that, they came out with another class of insecticide called carbamates. Carbamates were similar to organophosphates, but a different class. They worked real fast. They didn't have a long residual, but scientists learned real quick not to love them. They included products like Seven, would probably be the most famous, and and Bagon. Those would be the most famous carbamate products that were on the market. And people liked those products, but scientists didn't like it, and health people didn't like it, and soon they started disappearing. There was a commercial product called Ficam that I used to use that I really liked. It was very effective for a while, Uh, but um, it built up a resistance relatively quickly. So you had starting off with the chlorinated hydrocarbons and then the organophosphates and then the carbamates. And then we get into something called the synthetic pyrethroids. Now, pyrethiums or pyrethroids are generally natural products, such as the ground-up chrysanthemums we were talking about. The reason that those were so effective and still are effective today is because they get in, they work quickly, they disrupt the insect, and they make the insects crawl, they die, very effective. But pyrethiums are made from ground-up chrysanthemums, and sometimes it was difficult to get that particular crop all year round. So they came up with something called synthetic pyrethroids. And these included chemistries like cypermethrine and delmethrine, things like that, that uh, they kind of mimicked the the natural pyrethroids, but they were actually a chemical. A lot of them are still on the market. Bifenthlin is uh, one of the very popular ones that is still on the market and used today. But 
there are a concern about these products also. So then we get into something else, the next class of insecticides that came out, and that would be the neonicotinoids. Neonicotinoids were pretty cool, still are pretty cool, because they have something that other insecticides do not have. The insects don't know that's there. All right? Now, this is very important for very social insects, such as ants, such as termites, such as certain types of roaches, like German roaches. If you can put down a product in an area where they all hang out and they go through it and they don't know it's a pesticide and they track it, they will take it back to the nest and share it with other uh, insects. And by doing so, what happens is you eliminate the entire colony of insects. Very effective. Very effective with termiticides. Very effective with certain type of crop products. Very effective with German roaches. Very effective with ants. So those, you know, that was just a really big boom to the insecticide market until it wasn't. Because one of the things they found out is that some of these products had really strange environmental concerns, especially when it came to bees, because bees did not know that they were being, you know, affected by these products because they didn't know it was there. If you take a synthetic pyrethroid, an insect knows it's there and will avoid it, believe it or not. I don't know how they think, but they just avoid things like that. They also avoid organophosphates. But when we come to these neonicotinoids, they don't know it's there. So say a bunch of bees gets into a neonicotinoid insecticide or becomes exposed to it, and they go back to the hive, they can crash a hive or they can crash several hives. So the environmental concerns about this being used in agriculture grew very, very quickly. And people were very nervous about it. And most of those products have been taken off the market. Most of the neonicotinoids in use today are used for German cockroaches, ants, and termites. More specifically, termites, which do millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of damage every year. The neonicotinoids on subterranean termites are injected into the soil underneath a structure where it's not going to affect bees, but it is extremely effective on subterranean termites, and it works very well. The neonicotinoids that are used for roaches are also applied in cracks and crevices where they're not going to affect bees. There's not a lot of neonicotinoids that are still used in agriculture, but there is a, uh, one in particular, maybe a couple others. But fipronil is the neonicotinoid that is used for termites and a lot of roach work. And then the other one that is used for also for termites and ants and another, you know, a bunch of uh, insects like that is called imidacloropid. The popular termiticide that has imidacloropid in it is called Primus. There's also uh, Bayer garden granules that has imidacloropid in it, and they think that in the granular uh, use on people's lawns, it is not affecting bees. And I 
kind of agree with that. And then there's some other granules that have imidacloropid in it that are used in agriculture very effectively. So I hope this teaches you a little bit about insecticides. Uh, we can also talk about herbicides. And I think that's the only one we're going to cover today other than the insecticides would be the herbicides. Herbicides kill weeds, yeah, or grass or any living plant. A herbicide will kill those. And there are what we call selective herbicides and non-selective herbicides. Selective herbicides, in the case of turf grass, for instance, there's products such as atrazine, such as 2,4-D, and products like that that you can spray on grass, and it will not affect the grass, but it will kill the broadleaf weeds that are in the grass. Then there are stuff, you know, there are products called non-selective herbicides. The most popular one out there, the active ingredient is glyphosate, and the herbicide is called Roundup. Do not buy Roundup anymore because it's too expensive. It is now generic. The patent has expired, and it's now generic. You can buy the generic versions of Roundup, and there's tons of them out there for a fraction of the cost of Roundup. But the thing about the non-selective herbicides, such as glyphosate or Roundup, is you spray it on the green part of the plant, and it translocates down through the roots and kills the plant and has no effect on the soil. There are other non-selective herbicides that you put down, and they actually sterilize the soil. You're not going to grow anything there again for a couple of years. Uh, and uh, those are not popular products. But people who have gravel driveways, for instance, will put some of those products out. And I, I do not recommend that they do that, especially if there are trees nearby, because you can affect the tree roots by doing that. So herbicides, selective herbicides, and non-selective herbicides, and they kill plants. Always read and follow label directions. I hope you've enjoyed this mini, what is it, 14-minute lesson. And I hope you have a terrific day. We'll see you next time 